from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. Communists might reach the moon before we do. Not if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> I love this show. UFC <laughs> champion goes on deranged, expletive-filled rant when he was asked about gay people. Everybody was saying that it was such a great rant, but I was saying that that was such a great display of traumatic brain injury. Before we get to all that, though, speaking about brain injury, former President Donald Trump has several court dates. Was that too mean? Was that too spicy? No, you went right up to the edge. Right up to the edge. I'm not saying that he has No, no, no. I'm just saying that speaking of things in that same line of logic, Former President Donald Trump has a lot of court dates coming up, which I find to be really, really interesting because he also has a lot of campaign rallies that are going on. Spike, you actually broke it down for us in the pre-show meeting. I didn't realize. Do you want to break it? It's, it's an insane schedule. It's well, almost it's worse than Joe Biden's schedule. Well, which is I, I got to say the, the the gods of persecution are in his favor. Yes, because there was a ma- and I can't take full credit for this. One of the shows had a map uh, put up mm-hmm. and I thought there was a tornado warning in New England because they had a red air going from New York courtroom to <laughs> New Hampshire primary and then from New Hampshire primary back to New York courtroom, then from New York courtroom back to New Hampshire rally. I mean, it's, it's they kept showing this loop back and forth, back and forth all this week for former President Trump. And this is just in the case he doesn't need to be at. Right. I'm, I'm, right. This is this this case of defamation, this round two. Um, he doesn't even need to be there. He's using and the assessment was he's using that in a campaign capacity because it works very well to his messaging about uh, about unjust prosecution and two tier judge, yada yada yada. But his, I mean, this guy is single-handedly punching a hole in the ozone layer with Trump, <laughs> Trump Force One. How he's, much fuel is he burning? He's as bad as John Kerry and Taylor Swift combined. That's I'm, what I'm it's, saying. It's like, a, it's like a Taylor Swift tour back and forth between New Hampshire so, and New York. So, let me break down a couple of dates here. You've got, today is the 18th. Okay, so this is all either the dates that he has to be in court or that his lawyers have to submit something on his behalf. Uh, today... Friday, January 19th, Saturday, Monday, the 22nd, Tuesday, the 23rd, Wednesday, the 24th, Monday, the 29th, Tuesday, the 30th, Wednesday, the 31st, and 31st, and then we're on to February. The guy is ping-ponging between presidential uh, uh, primaries. Right. The, the, uh, uh, campaigning. Campaigning, briefs, court appearances, and rallies. This is a schedule that if I had it, I think I would get burnt in a week because he's flying. It's like th- these are not short flights, right? He's going to Mar-a-Lago on one day and then right. that afternoon he's in New Hampshire and then he has to be in New York the next morning. Well, he's- First class. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a nice plane. I'm just saying it's a nice that plane. Even just the, the, the schedule of it is enormous. And I'm sure I, the reason I say this again, not, this is weird. Now that I, have to say, I kind of feel bad for the guy. He's 77 years old. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to put on any human being. I on just, any elderly on human any being. Right. elderly. Let's be okay, honest. I and just fair. turned yeah. down a flight because it was a Delta flight. Which first and foremost, it's a Delta flight. But then, second of all, there was a it was a 14 hour flight. It had a layover in Phoenix. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to lay around the Phoenix airport for two hours before I go on vacation. Oh, you yeah. should have done that. They have great restaurants. I'm not doing that. But that's besides the point. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, he was going in a different direction than Phoenix. Yeah, I'm going. They, wanted to take, they, they, wanted they to... always do that with Phoenix. You're always like, why am I going to Phoenix? <laughs> Phoenix right? That's I wanna, the opposite I direction. Nome, Alaska, right. Every time I've been routed through Phoenix, I'm know, like, right? wait, what? So, <laughs> well, tr- Trump's court dates, and I, I, it's an impossible schedule for any mere human. So. I hate to say this, but a lot of steroids. If, if this, no, if this guy can do this, the presidency is nothing. 
It's like a four-year vacation. Yeah, pretty much. Right, if he even gets there. So, yeah. hey, speaking of, by the way, there was this really interesting thing that I noticed during the caucuses that happened in Iowa. And then I found out that this is going to be going on at every single caucus that mm-hmm. happens between now and when Super Tuesday is. Right. And there, there's a big Nevada caucus. There's... Nevada's the next caucus next, right? Because New Hampshire's the primary. Nevada will have a caucus. This is all very important information that totally derails what I was going to talk about. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Trying to help. So the, what I wanted to talk about was the fact that I kept seeing these hats that were going on that were around the people that were walking around in the caucus. And they mm-hmm. kept saying, Trump caucus captain. And they were white hats with gold lettering. And they were the people who were making sure that the people in the red hats... We're going to be voting for the man, making sure they knew where to go, right. where to be, where to sit, who to talk to. There's this now this hierarchy of hats that we have within the Trump campaign. And for as much as I hate to use this language when talking about former President Donald Trump, I know many people have said that MAGA is indeed a cult. Day by day, I'm just saying, when you start to have... Pledges of allegiance, like how Michael Flynn or Nick Fuentes have pledged allegiance to Donald Trump, how Project 25 is an organization which seeks to put in bureaucrats within the Trump administration who pledge their fealty to Donald Trump, not to the U.S. Constitution or to the United States. This is getting very culty. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying it's very, very close. It's these are kind of a bizarre happening that's going on right now within the upper echelons of the MAGA movement. That's much more reminiscent of Scientology, where the further up the chain you go, the closer you are to the truth. You're not just some lay person walking around with a red MAGA hat. Oh, oh right. That's any. That's a common. That's anybody. Okay. Right. Okay. Now you're a Trump caucus captain. And this, does that one also come with the gold braid or the, the gold? The braid is the person who leads the caucus captains. Oh, so that's gosh. the lead caucus captain. And in order to do that, my understanding is that you have to eat six dozen cheeseburgers <laughs> in under 20 minutes in front of Eric or Don Jr. And then you also I'm have sorry. to be able to withstand... 30 minutes inside of a tanning booth <laughs> while being sprayed with bronzer. That's how you get the gold braid. Well, it looks that, your... that's how the hat looks best. Right. That piece, exactly. To be fair. But I had, this thought, I had this thought about Trump and Trumpism. I, I'm not sure if I shared this with you or not, Spike, but tell me what you think about this. Do you remember New Metal? Do you remember that brand, like Corn? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. As, that, as a musical genre. As a musical yeah, genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the band Limp Biscuit? Of course. Do you remember the lead singer? Fred, Fred Durst. Fred Durst. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so there was a point in time in American history between 1998 and 2001 in which new metal was the most popular genre of music mm-hmm. and the most popular band in the United States was Limp Bizkit. Yeah. You remember this? Yes, I do. Huge. It was everywhere. He had the big red hat that he would wear everywhere. He had the big puffy New York jacket. I remember this. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, yes. Now, today in 2023, when we look back at that period of time in culture, we cringe, right? We go, oh, that was kind of rough, right? Because we well, realize... That that drove me from rock radio to classic rock radio. I fled Limp Bizkit for the comfort and security of Steely Dan. Right. That's exactly... <laughs> okay. So this is what I'm saying. In the same way that people now view Fred Durst as kind of a meme, as kind of a joke, yeah. but back in 1999... Ruled. You, right. 
I think that the same thing is going to happen with Trump, where in 20 years, people are going to look back and they're going to say, why was I wearing the red hat and the baggy jeans and the puffy New York jacket? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I do. It's the I, exact this is same model. Like, it's kind of like with scene kids, like emo kids, when they look back at their pictures from high school and they're like, my hair looks like I fell asleep in a bag of Skittles. Why would I ever, why would I what ever, was I what was I thinking about wearing women's yeah. jeans? True story, by the way. What was I thinking? Of, you know what I mean? That is... I think, just culturally speaking, that is the way that people will reflect on their time if they're still alive, if, in when they were in the MAGA movement, right? I, I I hope you're right. I hope you're right because I also hear speculation from what call themselves informed sources that even after former President Trump is no longer the political figurehead of a movement, mm-hmm. the movement may still carry on. Yeah, but who? I, I, yeah, who? I, I don't know. Eric? They didn't know either. Don well, Jr. There, there are people that throw, Ivanka, there are people throw those names out. Ugh, they really that's do. That's kind of weird. I, I, that's kind of weird. Again, and more cult-like. Well, the reason I, and I, this is the thing, I'm not saying that someone who votes for Donald Trump is part of the cult. I'm not saying that whatsoever. No, no. But there is a threshold that once you pass it, that is like, it, it would be the equivalent of, um, like, I really like, uh, 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 you remember Ron Paul? I really like Ron sure, Paul. Yeah. I think Ron Paul had a lot of great insights into the state and our relationship to the state and what government should be doing for us. If I pledged fealty to Ron Paul, I'm pretty sure that people might say, hey, you know, he's a tomato farmer and a doctor. Like, that's a bit that's a bit much. Sure, right. Yeah. And if I went around and said, God sent Ron Paul to solve all my problems and save this country, that that's kind of a, it, the sickness begins to form over time and that's what I think people should be wary about I not not if they're just casual GOP voters who no. just vote for Donald Trump because they want lower taxes uh, right that's very very based and, and and didn't somebody just say God sent a tomato or an orange <laughs> that video was just made I mean <laughs> the signs are here well, folks I'll if you're willing to look at them I'll give you an example Th- this is a what I mean by like cultural sickness and how this kind of Trumpism is kind of been so pervasive within culture there's a canadian ufc champion and he went on a deranged rant when he was asked about gay people so about 10 years ago he had some pretty disturbing his name is sean strickland he's a ufc champion and he has been a fighter for many many years about 10 years ago he was asked about gay people and he said some very questionable things about if he had a gay son now some people might say the things that he said are illegal and potentially child abuse but that's besides the point he's just speaking. Okay. Now this uh this journalist he's talking to Sean Strickland and it's in a big press hearing and he says have you reflected on your comments that you made about gay people and having a, a gay son? I'm just curious how you feel about that now and this is the rant that this guy went on. Here's what that sounded like. Oh, look, another, another, I'm saying to you, the swamp, you guys, the swamp. You become a champion, you become a star, and, and someone's... Let me ask you something. Are you, are you, are you gay? No, are you, are you, let me know, are you gay? Can I hear, can I get an answer? Well, no, I'm asking, I'm, this is a part of, are you, are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. Okay. If you had a son and he was like, you know, you had a son, he was gay, you'd be like, oh man, you don't, you don't want a grandkid? No problem with it. Oh man, well, dude, you're a weak man, dude. You're like, you're part of the problem you elected justin trudeau like <laughs> what you when he sees the bank accounts like you're just pathetic he sees and and the fact that right. the fact that you have no backbone oh. and and has he shut down your country and seized bank accounts you ask me some stupid like that go yourself so this is kind of trumpism in action where you're asked about uh your comments about gay people and then you go you're a loser 
you're one of the people who voted for Trudeau, who seized the bank accounts of truckers who were protesting the vaccine mandates in Canada. This is not good, right? This is a bad societal standard to have. And the the fact that this is normalized and has is now being celebrated as as being an example of this is what we need in American culture to to call a reporter who asks an innocuous question. You're part of the swamp. The swamp originally is this concept of like seedy, gross Washington. So, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's insider influence, insider lobbyist, in, lobbyist. Writing policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's anybody who questions, hey, guy, like you've said some pretty homophobic stuff in the past and you might be suffering from brain damage. Do you think you want to reflect on that at all? And his response is very Trumpian. It's in your face. It's rude. It's brash. He insults the man. And here's the other crazy thing. He doesn't even answer the question. Doesn't even answer the question. No, no. he couldn't. Didn't have the didn't have the mental capacity to even realize the question. I've been attacked. Right. Warning! Warning! <laughs> swamp! Swamp! Trudeau! Bank account! Right. So it's to me when I see stuff like that, I think to myself like this is not a healthy cultural moment, and yet it's celebrated as like this is the way that you need to interact with the media. Is it the way that you need to interact? So when somebody says, "Hey," Just to, just out of curiosity, former President Donald Trump, when you uh, borrowed, you know, like seven point three trillion dollars last year of your presidency, that was like led to a crazy inflationary cycle and like all kinds of uh, money issues. And like, just curious if you've ever reflected on that. Oh, you're you're a member of the swamp. That's why you're asking me this question. You're weak. You're one of those no people. Backbone. You were one of those people who voted for Trudeau when he seized uh. the bank accounts of those truckers who yeah. were protesting. This is like there are legitimate questions that can be asked of people. And there are legitimate answers. And for whatever reason, we've decided that being a rude, mentally ill man is much more important than actually answering the question in a cohesive and thoughtful way. Well, right? it's it's perceived as strength. It is, especially on Twitter. And, and to, right. your, to your correlation to the Trump uh, Trump campaign, the Trump candidacy, the Trump movement. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, former President Trump referred to people as vermin. Well, that's uh, more, more likely to vote for him, according to Iowa pollsters. Most, most. I mean, I Iowans, refer to people as vermin. What's well, the big deal? Is it vermin? Not, not people who voted against you. I mean, you know, you know, you know, you know the, the references I'm making, right? That people saw that as a sign of strength, a strong leader. Sure, sure, sure. And and for as much as this this MMA fighters, MMA or or UFC, whatever, they're the same thing. Okay, this guy's being championed. He's being celebrated for this kind of response to a reporter, which is weird. As, as Again, a, he's, he's strong. You're he, weak. We're he strong. probably has CTI because you hear that. Here he's got a little punch drunk. Yeah, there. He's, he's totally slurring his yeah. words, and he's Completely. not he's not finishing sentences. Can't finish a train of thought. Here's the other question that I'll ask people: Is that when we take somebody who is that? In my assessment, I say this is a statement of opinion, not a fact for legal reasons. Someone who's suffering from that kind of brain damage and you put them in front of people and then they give that response and then you encourage it reward it right that's like i don't know like it's kind of reminiscent of of what happened with kanye west where he was so mentally ill and he was saying all that awful stuff and people kept putting him on and they kept putting him on and they kept putting him on knowing that he was actually suffering and knowing that there was going to be great coverage this says something about consumerism. It says something about the way that we interpret media in the United States. Whereas I think 20 years ago, people would have said, hey, let's maybe not, let's maybe try to be a little bit more civil. Now it's considered to be this like amazing outpouring. Yes, or like, Laura. let's just not air that. Let's not air it. Right, exactly. But now oh, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Right. Yeah. Laura, it sells. Or, or it'd want... be censorship. I think yeah. there was a lot more censorship pre-internet. 
you know? Based on good judgment. So we had a more civil society. We did, which is kind of a really interesting thing. And also, uh, before we get got to get out of here, there's concerns about how China might reach the moon before NASA gets to the moon. People are talking about this like it's a national security risk or whatever it might be. The moon is made out of helium and cheese. I don't really see what the big deal is here <laughs> if they actually get there. Like, what's the big deal? So the the communists get there. They set up a little, you know, they put up a, a statue of Marx. And then what do we do? We go up there. We put up the American flag and some cheeseburgers and we win. Right. That's pretty much it. Well, we, we got to the moon. but We don't own the moon. Right. We don't own the moon. We didn't put a flag in and claim it as ours. We're not, you know, Cortez. We didn't, you know, it wasn't. That's not know. what the flag did. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people, well, people who are worried about the communist China space program, you know, for us, I think they have that perception. Sure. That if they get there, it's theirs. They're going to build super bases and Apple, and Apple factories. Technically, the guy who owns the moon is the man, right? Um, we don't yeah. know. We don't actually know his name. but <laughs> If you believe. I, we, but we respect his power. But we respect his power. <laughs> he does right? rule the tides. Because he so. does rule the tides. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying everything that I know about the moon it's helium you know, and cheese. You know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's funny because the, the race to the moon in the 60s was sold to the American people as a fight for communism. Who will control space, right? We that's control how, space. That's, that's what Kennedy sold it to the American people. But the real underlying message and mission of the moon landing or the moon projects were technological growth in America. All the things. Why do we bother going to the moon? Because everything you use from a daily basis came from out of research and design and development that went into the moon launch. Oh, just it's everything. Cool. It's just cool. It, it, and it's cool. <laughs> it's I'm cool, never. Man. I'm never going to the. If there's ever a tourism to the moon, I'm staying on God's planet. I'm dying with Jesus. I'm not dying. <laughs> I'm not dying on a rock made out of cheese. That's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> Did you see Don't Look Up? The movie Don't Look Up. Tell me about it after this break. Okay, okay, sorry, because the, the ending was exactly what you said. It was perfect. <laughs> the, uh, there are so many people who are talking about the Davos elites, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, saying this is the deep state out and about. And I got to say, you know, this part of this is kind of cringe. This part of this is kind of based. We're going to mm. be checking in on one of the most famous anti-WEF commentators because he had some great comments about this when we get back right after this. Someday people will have cassette tapes. Or based. You know what's a really good deterrent to thieves? Snakes. I stand by it. Cringe or base? Fun game we like to play every day. 135. The WEF, the World Economic Forum, meeting in Davos. Got the Klaus Schwab is there. The Bilderbergs. The Rothsteins. The... Silverbergs, <laughs> the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders. Everyone is there. <laughs> the Obamas, the Kennedys, the Bushes, the, I don't know, the Nixons. Who's there? <laughs> Who's the, there? The, Alex the, Jones isn't there. I can tell you that. The reanimated corpse. His of reporters sure are, though. Howard Taft is there. Everybody is <laughs> there. A special fat bathtub. And this, every time this happens, like every six months, all these rich people, all these like policy nerds meet up and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, if we change this interest rate to 5% to this thing to 2.5, there's a bunch of nerds that go out there and they talk about policies that would be good in their kind of neoliberal understanding of economics. And then everybody in right-wing media has a field day about it. And also some people in left-wing media, because obviously these are the crab people who are wearing the skin of human beings. And they're trying to trick us that they're actually human beings by uh, creating one world government. 
global expansion, right? That's what I hear. Now, th- does anything beneficial or f- any fruit from this meeting every six months? Do these guys set policy for the globe? Do they change government economic direction? So what happens is that they'll release a document basically that says, like, here are 25 talking points that we think might be good. And, and then other world governments look at that and they might adopt it. They might not. But what you can do with that is you can make a narrative out of it and you can say, aha, Agenda 21. You ever hear about Agenda 21 there, Mr. O'Neill? No. Oh. Let me just let me introduce you to a little concept that was put forth by Klaus Schwab. Klaus, by the way, German in origin. We all know what we're talking about here. Sure, the sure. rise and fall of the Fourth Reich. <laughs> Agenda 21, stack and pack housing. They want to take us away from our rural living environments and they want to force us all to live in boxes, concrete boxes. No more fire wood burning stoves for you, P. Uh, uh, simpleton, you shall be living in a concrete box with AC, central air, central heat, because Klaus Schwab decrees it, right? But th- but does that actually happen? Kind of, in some ways. <laughs> it did a little bit, And yeah. then in other ways, not so much. Like, if you go to California, where they say no new homes can be built with fireplaces, everybody's like, that's kind of dumb. But then if you go to Idaho, you see that there's lots of new houses that are being built. Sure, because they have a different uh, environment in Idaho, different atmosphere, different air. Different political, I'm just yeah. talking about different political environment, yeah, I, I different, you. you know what I mean? I so yeah. all, like, this stuff that goes on, it's really just kind of making hay out of a bunch of policy nerds who are just, ba- they're basically, like, Gramsci-esque policy nerds who are talking about well the austrian school of economics in 1850 baba it's intensely boring unless you're someone like me who actually read all that garbage in college so alex or my grandpa who's an economic historian right exactly. and, and there today i believe your grandpa is in davos so. <laughs> right so do we have any of these alex jones cuts because yeah, i yeah so there's there's like two big conspiracy perfect yeah let's hear so one of them is that um they're all conspiring to uh prevent trump from getting elected yes right? yes john Kerry said from the podium yesterday he said it doesn't matter if you elect trump you won't stop our global movement. I mean, this guy's literally saying he'll work against American voters. <laughs> uh, I actually heard John Kerry say that, and what what he was referring to was the global movement around climate change. So I'm not sure... I This is... Alex Jones got to be really reaching on that one, because if Trump is in office, Trump is going to initiate fracking. He already said it. He's more oil drilling. Mm-hmm. This is not... You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about... This is the weird thing about everyone's like global elites are trying to stop Donald Trump. Why? He gave them all tax breaks. He reduced the corporate tax structure. Mm-hmm. He gave more people drilling licenses. You know what you know something? It doesn't make any sense. He is an elite. He is a global elite. He hath been the entirety of his life. He went to these people's weddings, their bar mitzvahs. He, <laughs> he was going on vacation with these people. He donated to every uh, side of the aisle. That's what Absolutely. I'm saying. He yeah. is yeah, yeah. a global elite by definition. So when he said, oh, the global elites don't want Donald Trump to be in office. Yes, they do. The corporate tax rate went up under Joe Biden. These people want Trump back in office because he lowered the corporate tax rate. Please. This is like bizarre narrative making. What's the other one? You have all these big mega banks. They control 88% of all the currency and all the stock and all the money. Dodd-Frank, yes. And they did it through fractional reserve banking, private central banks giving them unlimited money, nobody else. And now they want to control your life. Now they want to control every asset down to your body. And and for them, not, nothing's opposed them, nothing stopped them, so why shouldn't they? And they just did a test where they killed at least 17 million of us. That is a big deal. So, you know, I mean, I just say that, and that's a low number, and it's admitted. 
insurance company, actuaries, you name it, and just let that sink in. How it's just a flippant, yeah, they starved 80 plus million people to death with lockdowns. And yeah, they killed 70 million people with a shot. And yeah, more are dying from it. But that's just, uh, you know, that's just how it is. Okay, so... That's the, just how it is. Wow. Okay, so the, what you're telling me is that the banks who want money are trying to kill people who put money in their banks? You understand what I'm saying? Like, this yeah, is, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The yeah. argument... That makes sense. I'm on board. So I want to start, start a restaurant, and I want customers to come. So I'm going to kill them before they can come and eat my food. Because, <laughs> as a test. As a test. As a test. Just, just to make sure. They just admit it. So they were like, whoops, that test worked a little too well. <laughs> so that number that he threw out, did you hear about that where that came from? The 17 million people who died from the COVID That's vaccine? COVID pandemic losses. No, right? no, no. So what they did is there was some crackpot doctor out there who basically went up at this this conference where a bunch of wackadoos went. And he said, based on his estimation, that 17 million people died from the COVID-19 vaccination, right? From the vaccination. Right. So from the vaccination. Okay. So I look into the data set and basically what this guy did is he said did you die from a heart attack during covid you're on the list whether or not you were vaccinated or not didn't matter <laughs> the data is so bad it's so bad that hey did you did you come down with a cold during covid you're on the list someone who died hey did you uh did you get into a car accident you're on the list 17 million people died during covid <laughs> oh, it's a really bad data set but what's fascinating is that jones doesn't say by the way this data set includes people who are god what's that word still alive so it's kind of that's bizarre. A di- that's a different segment. <laughs> when you drop a truth bomb, where, sometimes, where COVID isn't real. Sometimes facts yeah. have to die when you drop a truth bomb. Right. It's so funny, man. All right. No oh, stupid so... questions. 888-973-5476. That's the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. We don't often get to all the stories out there. You might be saying to yourself, hey, Jack, I heard about this thing. Hey, I, I read this headline. Can you explain this? Jack, what's the deal with the Houthi rebels? What's the deal with Iran and Pakistan? I thought they liked each other. Mm-hmm. False. Let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. 888-973-5476. There are no stupid questions. Only stupid answers. No stupid questions. 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line if you want to ask us a question. Somebody said, do you guys ever not bash Trump and Trump supporters? Not bash Trump is a no, but not bash Trump supporters is a yes. There's a really really clear kind of distinction we try to make here where, or at least for me, when I analyze former President Donald Trump, what I see is somebody who has a very great sales pitch, fantastic sales pitch. Mm -hmm. And then the actual policies that were put in place were very, very bad. We just lost power in the studio. I don't know if we're still on air or not. I don't know if we're... If I'm speaking into the void here, Andrew, am I we're good. Are we're no, still we're good. good to go here? Okay. I unplugged the toaster oven. We, we should be fine. <laughs> I apologize. All we're right. Fine. Well, we're bienvenidos. Welcome back. So that was a power surge. That was frightening. Seriously, so, power surge. Uh, do I ever... Okay, so th- this is my issue with former President Donald Trump. Former President Donald Trump is a neoliberal. I say this all the time, but I think it's important for conservatives to understand this. The economic policies that he put in place are neoliberal in nature. Now, what that means is that it's this belief that you can regulate free markets through regulation or through taxes, whatever that looks like. That is the system that has failed the United States since Reagan. This is not a good economic system. 
it basically creates a differentiation between the haves and the have-nots. Donald Trump, despite what he says, every policy that he instituted was in the pursuit of that neoliberal agenda. Mm-hmm. I'll give you guys a really quick example. The man borrowed money every single year that he was in president. He was in the office of the presidency. He borrowed as much money as any other president up until the point where he's the third most, but behind Roosevelt and Lincoln in terms of borrowing money during a four-year presidency. That is an incredible statistic. You cannot come to me and say, Joe Biden this, Joe Biden that, blah, 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 and then also say, that's why we need Trump, because his track record, his resume is to borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow. You want to talk about, oh, well, he brought peace to the Middle East. That's a weapons deal. If you read the fine details of the Abraham Accords, that's a weapons deal. It's not a peace agreement. It's a contract for people to buy planes and bombs so that in 10 years, then they can go back to killing each other. There is not a policy that anybody could give to me outside of maybe the right to try, maybe outside of making animal abuse a federal crime Mm -hmm. that you could show me where I would not say that's basically a version of an Obama era policy, but it's like a reheated cheeseburger and it favors rich people over poor people. That's why I bash former President Donald Trump. It's not his supporters. I get why well, the guy's got a great sales pitch. Yeah, hey, I, I'm I, fighting for you. I'll bash Trump supporters. Not all of them. Not all of them. That's the thing. You know, I, you know, to say, can you guys ever not bash Trump and Trump supporters? I'll bash Trump supporters that make death threats. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, That, that yeah, doesn't yeah. mean I bash everybody who puts America first or has a conservative agenda. It's not, right. well, it's not it, it, so you have to understand. And I'll bash Trump when he says that he's above the law. Right. When he, when he yeah. wants immunity, even when he crosses the line, <laughs> I want total, I want to be above the law. That I'll bash. Right. Not, uh, like, you know, their policies I could be with or against or for, you know, whatever, but what, nobody's above the law. Right. This is my issue with it is, is it's not, I don't, I understand why people would want to vote for the guy, but. When you actually look at what he does, it's everything that conservatism is supposed to be against. Mm-hmm. Everything. Every piece of it. And so when people say like, well, he's he's out there and he's trying to do something with the deep state. That's not true. He signed the NDAA every single year in office. That's the Omnibus Spending Package. The, it's the National Defense Authorization Act. He only delayed it twice. And that was so that he could get more weapons deals in that. If you don't believe me. You can go and read about it. The reason I try to hammer it home for people is because when people say like, oh, he's this person who's going to swoop in and save the country or whatever. I'm not Mike Huckabee. I'm not Bill O'Reilly. I'm not Tucker Carlson. I'm not any of these fools who will lie because it's good for their ratings. If you look at the man's presidency on paper, these are dead facts. They are irrefutable. You cannot debate them. $7.3 trillion. That is a raw number. You can't then come to me and say, well, Joe Biden did this. And Joe Biden, blah, blah, blah. Because if you're okay, if when Trump did it, that means that you're fine when Biden does it. We don't get to pick and choose just because somebody has an R and a D in front of their name. So, yes, I will continue to bash the man because he did nothing for this country. And I, I have all the evidence to back that up. You want to talk about, oh, well, he moved the, Jerus- uh, the, the embassy to Jerusalem. Great. It doesn't fix my financial problems. It doesn't do anything for me. It's all weapons deals, gross, seedy, swamp 300 lobbyists over four years in and out of his administration. What is this? 
this is a, a man who has sold the uh, patriotism in the same way that he sells apartment complexes to unsuspecting victims. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, do, I do. This is not the way that we should operate or conduct ourselves as a society. And the people that continue to maintain that lie are people who insist that we live in a neoliberal hellhole of a matrix where mega oligarchs and corporate overlords get to dictate what we do with our lives. And Trump is part of that system. It's irrefutable. You can't debate it. There's no arguing against it. It takes a simple trip down the Google machine to say, how much did Donald Trump spend during his four years in office? More than any other president outside of Roosevelt and Lincoln. Why? Why? Because he didn't understand the difference between mandatory and discretionary spending. Please. Oh, he fixed the VA. That was nice. So so to your your point, Texter, do we ever not bash? Yes. Yes. Jack just said he fixed the the DVA. He he fixed the DVA. Texter says, thanks for answering my question. I agree. He's far from perfect like everyone else in government. Yes. Nailed it. Common ground. Finally got a Trump voter to turn their back. Hopefully I can do that. Maybe just a shoulder. (laughs) Glance. Maybe I can do that to John. Do we have John on next? Has he confirmed or is this mystery? Oh, yeah. John? John, will be, John, will be John is hi, John. John's going to be coming in. I'm sure that he's going to say, oh, Jack, here's the thing about former President Donald Trump. Oh, no, no, no. no we're about something else. we're going to be talking about this uh, <laughs> this man biting a flight attendant. What? The Holocaust education bill. I can't believe that people are fighting against this. And also, uh, DUI drivers could be required to pay restitution. This is a great law. I'm going to see what Mr. Curley thinks about it when we get back right after this. I'm not Mike Huckabee. I'm not Bill O'Reilly. I'm not Tucker Carlson. 